Hello, and welcome to another week of Transforming 45. This week, I am thrilled to welcome Sarah Rogers. She is Wolf Maw poet, author, creator, and enchanter, which is maybe one of the best words I have ever seen in a title. <laughs> and as we were chatting earlier, I said, I wish I thought of that too, uh, because it's just so beautiful for, especially for the work and the magic that you weave and that you create. Um, so Sarah, you and I met just like oh, two weeks ago, not even really at the Berry Women Show. And I was wandering through the booths and I saw, well, this shirt. And um, it says, her light is rebellious to the rules. And it stopped me in my tracks because I thought someone just captured my entire story in a few words. And there it is. And I can wear it. That is the most perfect combination, the way that I can express my story and show up in all of the ways that I want to. Um, it's almost like the shirt is armor when I put it on. It's this beautiful sense of um, protection and truth. And I'm so grateful to you for the work that you are doing. So welcome to Transforming 45. Oh, thank you so much for, for having me. I'm, I'm so grateful that we connected that day, that day, cause it was a busy weekend. And <laughs> it was um, a very busy weekend. It yeah. So it was, it was, in, it was interesting. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting weekend. And, um, you know, I, I love, it's my favorite part about shows, vendor shows and is, is meeting. And that was such a great show cause it was a women's show. Um, is meeting women and connecting with their stories. And we had such a brief little connection there because it was busy and, but it was so aligned. Yes. And so thank you so much for having me on Transforming 45. And um, I'm really honored to be here and to, and to talk about all things, all the things that we will talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. I am also very grateful for that connection. Um, oh. Okay, so tell me your story. How did you come to writing and weaving these magical words together? Oh, it, you know what? It's so interesting. I always think about poetry or I'm not always it's been it's always been there but I haven't been able to articulate it until actually more recently but poetry is really I feel such a generous spirit um the sp I talk a lot about in my writing circles the spirit of poetry um because I think I see everybody as a poet now mm -hmm. I didn't seek out poetry it really sought out me however I was surrounded by it in hindsight all the time through music. I'm mm -hmm. a huge music person. The poet mm -hmm. of my heart is Gord Downey. Yeah. And, you know, teenager, all the things, uh, listening to music constantly, still do. And that was really the beginning of this poetic spirit that just um, offered a way a window into storytelling that connected with the essence of my being and my soul 
and it made sense to me, even though you don't necessarily have to understand it. It's because it made sense because poetry is the story that you articulate through your own body. It yeah. is through your own interpretation, through your eyes, through your emotions, through your experiences, through someone else's words that offers you such a gift. Um, so I came to poetry, writing my own poetry really unexpected um, through going through my own experiences as a woman in this world, as a mother, partner, um, and really seeking the affirmation of my identity mm -hmm. as, as a woman in this world, um, as a mother, which is also like the most important, my most important role. Um, but I took on that role so intensely <laughs> that I mm -hmm. lost I lost pieces of myself in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a big pause there for a minute because so many women who take on that mothering role, regardless if it's through having your own children or children who come into your life or mothering happens in a thousand different ways. Right. But when we take on that role, however it manifests itself in our lives, the requirement, it seems, is that you give over yourself, that you become the supporting role in someone else's story. Um, and that story suddenly is more important than your own. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so literally coming back to your story and continuing to write it is so powerful. Yeah. And it was really a, a surprise, like to pick up a pen and start writing mm -hmm. because, you know, part of my identity too was that I didn't do that. I, I didn't have, it wasn't like a creative outlet that I sought, which I thought was really interesting uh -huh. to me that my body and, you know, the essence of, you know, creativity came through in a way where I would go into nature and go for walks. Uh -huh. I was really focused on, you know, sort of grounding my body in this sort of upheaval of who am I? What am I here to do? Um, like you said, like being that supporting role for so long and also mm -hmm. supporting my husband's career as well. So the motherhood and supporting my husband's career and then what was left over, which was like, okay, whatever's left, what, what, what do I have access to, to then do with my own life uh -huh. the center of my being. And so I was, I was focused on just grounding and, and nature again, very, similar spirit of poetry it doesn't require anything of us it mm. just requires us to be and so i was deeply called to go sit in the forest to go sit by the river to go into natural environments where i was accepted and i belonged because i felt like a bit of an outsider as my whole family is thriving and i'm lost mm-hmm and it was through those experiences in my body 
that, and it started on my phone and my notes app of hearing little things or observing, observing nature with just like innocence of a child's eye and color. And it started to ignite my senses. And I began slowly to feel more and more alive and more and more in my body and began to write. And then once I started jotting down these little lines or little verses, I could not stop. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful when you talk about coming back to your body, right? Because as we are in service to others, we, you know, take, it's like we take one step out of our bodies because we were there at one point. At one point we lived in our bodies and they were ours and they were our own. Mm. And then, and it's different for every person, but we take one step out because there's something that starts to make our body feel like it's not safe. And for women in so many ways, our bodies are not our own. It's like they are part of the public forum. They're part of the public space. Right. And as we become more and more aware of that, we step out of those bodies because it's not safe. Yeah. 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 And so much of the work is how do we get back into our bodies because this is the container through which we experience this miraculous, painful, confusing, brilliant life. That's it, you know, and that's it. And so much of our bodies are required for other people, Mm -hmm. whether it's through our work, through, you know, our family life, through taking care of parents, you know, there's a multifaceted, you know, array of things that our bodies could be required and demanded outside of our own needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And in the most concrete sense of that, when you are growing a human, right? right? (laughs) Your body literally is no longer your own. You're a home for someone else, which is like the most incredible feat of science and spirituality, right? That's magic. It is magic here. I will, I'll never forget. um, I was laying on my side in bed and I looked down and my hip was no longer facing forward and it was facing out this way. (laughs) Just went, whoa. Yeah. It's the most crazy and incredible thing that happens to a woman's body. Yes. Yes. That's the magic of the paradox because (laughs) Yes. Also, like in our lineage, we weren't meant to do it all on our own. No. You know, we lived in small knit communities. Um, And so I think that that is the magic of the paradox. And that is what poetry offers um, in such a fun, I always think it's such a fun way to play with language and words as art to understand our experiences and our story, because there can be two things that are true at the same time and yet that are conflicting and so that juxtaposition of our bodies being a vessel Mm -hmm. for life and also reclaiming ourselves in that in that space of being the creator yes yeah yeah yeah, for it to come through 
And so yeah. creativity was a really, I think the essence of it, the, the, the story um, through which I started was creativity was that sense for me to reclaim and birth something that was of that I could hold close to my own and didn't require anything of me outside of my body. Mm. That makes sense. It, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, I just wanted to read to you if it's okay. Yeah. Uh, there's a verse on one of the pages of your website that I just felt um, was so connected and it is so connected to this conversation that we are having right now. So it is, you are a living blessing prayer upon the altar of breath and bone, wildly elemental, fully magic. When you are of service to this prayer, you are in service to the whole world. <laughs> it gets me right in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> when I read it, I could feel it in my eyes, but there is something different when you give vocalization to words mm. that have power, right? There is transformation that happens when you create those vibrations as you say it out loud. Um, yes, the molecules in your body literally change and the neurotransmitters in our brains too, that our, our nervous system is calmed in a way, even though it might be nervous at first, but when we, when we speak it or when we hear story, uh -huh. there is a settling, like listening to you, you know, read that was so, was just so settling in my body, why we read stories to children. Uh -huh. um, so there is, there is this craft of listening and, and speaking that creates a sort of vortex of transformation in the body. That's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where, where were you when those words came to you? What were you thinking about? Sorry, you paused for a moment. Can oh, you yeah. repeat that? Yeah. So where were you when those words came to you? What were you, what were you thinking about or what was your experience? Yeah, so when I started, um, when I started writing, I wrote for myself and then for years, for a few years, not many, um, but I would say for three or four years and I would write and I had collected and she would share sometimes on social media. And then I found um, a poetry group on Instagram that for National Poetry Month, which is in April, they had um, prompts and like write a poem a day sort of thing. And Elizabeth Gilbert shared it and so she was involved with it. And um, Eat, Pray, Love, Big Magic, Big uh -huh. Magic, like, but Eat, Pray, Love was the first story of a woman and, you know, popularized by the, the movie with Julie Roberts and everything else. But it was the first story I remember hearing as a young woman young mother that of a woman telling the truth about her life uh -huh. and in, in all the ups and downs. And it was just so, she's such a brilliant writer. So I was so drawn to this poetry contest or not contest, but this, um, this group of, of poets. And she started liking some of my poetry and as silly as it sounds that, when someone else, I mean, we all want to be seen in our creative yeah. 
and just for who we are, as we are in our creativity, but our creativity is our life. That is the, the soul and story of our, of our, of our everyday lives and the most mundane magic. Uh-huh. So not that, cause I don't want it to seem like it has to be something like you have to write a book or you have to do anything. You're uh-huh. being presence and, um, is the, is the soul of your creative life. But her liking some of those poems was very encouraging for me. And it really yeah. made me feel seen in a way, even though, I mean, I pretend that we're friends in my brain. In my <laughs> mind, we're friends, me and Liz. But um, she's a complete stranger. But it was a validation and an acknowledgement of my voice that I don't ever remember ever feeling in my body. Mm-hmm. And it really ignited me to want to do more, not for more validation, but more because it was an acknowledgement that I really like. Mm-hmm. I'm falling in love more and more every day with poetry and the transformational effects that it has had on my life. So in that in that span of 2020, when COVID hit, I was accepted into this anthology, Pivot and Pause, which Liz wrote the introduction for. Um, and it's, it contains poems from women all over the world during the pandemic. Um, and it's it was put out by Azure Antoinette, who is a friend of Liz. They collaborated. Um, Azure did all of the intros to all of the chapters. And it's a collaboration of mostly women poets from all over the world. So it was so thrilled and honored to be a part of that and then started um started putting together some poems for elemental magic during the pandemic and so where that going back to your question my apologies Lisa, was where that poem began was a girlfriend of mine when the pandemic when we first had our first lockdown in march 2020 said maybe now some time maybe now that you have some time you should put together some poems for a book. And um, the whole idea just seems so abstract and so too big and to this and to that. And, um, but again, that little encouragement, uh-huh. um, I just started putting some poems together, digitizing um, some of the poems that I had in my journals or, you know, on napkins. And I just started slowly piece by piece. And when that particular little verse kind of came through was after months and months and hours and hours, thousands of hours putting together the elemental magic. Um, when I was creating the final manuscript for it, I was really wanted this to be an offering that someone could open and see themselves within it, that they weren't my words. They didn't belong to me. They belong to the hands and the hearts of the readers who found this book by chance, uh, well, there's never a by chance, but mm-hmm. through, you know, those synchronicities of, of listening within that they would find this book and that it would be something of, um, a friend. And so when I was thinking about that, that little opening prayer came to me and I wanted it to be the first thing when you crack open the book that, that a woman read. I actually do little gift wrappings with my books and I created a stamp with that little verse on it so that it would be right there for the women, the woman to read. 
or man. Um, yeah. It's I write in a lot of feminine pronouns, but it's not written for any gender specific uh -huh. person. But yeah, that's where it came from. That's it's really beautiful. And when you just when you're talking about writing from the feminine pronouns it's because we write from our own experience, right? That's yes. when it's most powerful. I can write really authentically from my own gaze from my own viewpoint. And that's the power of story is that you read from a perspective that is outside of your own that gives you the opportunity to look through the, the lens or the mirror of that person's experience. And that's why, oh, it's one of the, I get, I get frustrated. Um, I, I live in a house of men. <laughs> so I, I love dearly and they are wonderful and they listen and they learn. And yet when I talk to them about authors that they read, um, creators that they ingest, yeah. musicians that they listen to. It's always, almost always men. Yeah. And it, it that's part of the reason why there is such disconnect, right? Like women generally read from a wide variety of, of gender yeah. spectrum. Influence, yeah. 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 And part of that is because it's forced upon us, right? There is way more content created yeah. from the masculine, especially in um, the everyday vernacular, right? Common, common media. Oh, yeah. 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 And one of the things I really love to do is to dive into the, the female voice, especially uh, women of color from yeah. like early 1900s late 1800s because the 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 words that they are speaking i mean it takes a lot of courage to use your voice and creativity anyways in the world especially if there are points of oppression but mm -hmm. or to 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 try to um understand the context of um you know just maybe two three generations ago of women um and, mm -hmm. and using their voices and self-publishing many many um, early female poets were self-published um, or never published, like Emily Dickinson. Emily Dickinson's work was not seen until after her death when her sister mm -hmm. found a bo boxes of her loose leaf paper poems under her bed. So to try and um, try to try to dive into the essence of a poem from a woman of that time is uh, it's it's incredibly empowering mm -hmm. and transforming to to let those words land in your body um, from that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, because we still hold that generational trauma. Mm -hmm. Right. Part of our our mission at this phase in in our lives is to work on transforming that generational trauma that we have brought with us to yeah. this phase. So yeah, listening to those voices and realizing the common threads that continue from hundreds of years ago mm -hmm. to, to where we are now and some of the real challenges that we're facing um, in terms of the rollback of women's rights, in terms of the 
advancement of the oppression agenda in so many ways. Mm. You know, when you were taught, when we just took it circle back to that idea of the power of story and in being intentional about looking for experiences and voices that are different from your, from your own, because we tend to look to voices that sound like our own, that feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. But the only way, and that is, and it's the power of the written word, mm-hmm. is when we sit and listen to and try to experience a perspective that is very different from than our own. So that the black, the voice of the black woman, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I live in small town Ontario. There's not a lot of diversity, and it's easy to stay. in my own experience but the only way to learn and understand the depth of how oppression plays out in our society every day is to listen to those voices yeah and 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 what a gift like what a gift to um i'll just for any listeners i would highly highly recommend and i'm not an expert in poetry by any means or i just um I, 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 I study it. I'm interested yeah. in it. So I, I really love to explore, um, poets from all walks of life, all different continents. I look for books with translations. I, I discovered a Japanese poet that I, I, I love. I have, um, but one poet in particular, um, that I would, I would highly recommend diving into her work in particular, and it's um, escaping my mind the name of the poem, but it is a famous quote saying, um, Audre Lorde, who said, poetry is not a luxury. And I loved her mm-hmm. poetry calls to the urgency of our stories and our creative life to transform our world, ourselves, mm-hmm. each our relationship with ourselves, each other, this planet, and because she it demands of us a political opportunity to name the oppression mm-hmm. and to imagine and dream what breaks through those barriers it's incredible incredible work what a gift she is um and mm-hmm. there's many many other black women poets um the the names are escaping me right now but yeah to explore some of those voices will change your life yeah yeah, absolutely and as you were saying that it it brought me back to this shirt you know her light is rebellious to the rules because the beauty of poetry is that there are no rules right we get to break all of those very colonial very patriarchal structures that exist around written language yeah. Yeah. And, and that's when, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Because language is so, per, it's so pervasive everywhere, right? Like that is how we communicate with each other. But there are very specific ways that language is used to oppress. Yeah. 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 And, yes. Yeah. Go yeah ahead. And I was just going to say there is a chapter in my book. So, Elemental Magic. Uh, poetic chapters of wild self-love it goes through um all the chapters are connected to elements with the fifth element being magic which is the soul the spirit 
that essence of the mystery of life. And in writing, like I said before, I didn't write the poems for the book. I wrote them for me. And one of the ways in which I did that, which which connected to, um, I ended up creating um, a chapter in the fire element, um, which is all about transformation. Mm-hmm. And that is about within myself, within my own consciousness, through poetry is deconstructing the paradigms of oppression, of of of, of all, in all the ways as a settler, as a white woman, as a woman of, of a certain amount of privilege and class and status and being cisgendered, there is an essence in that chapter. And it's it was a hard chapter to share because it was so vulnerable, but mm-hmm. it was also important for me because if we're going to do the work, if we, you know, especially as women, you know, like as, and as mothers, you know, caring about that every child has a breakfast to eat, a lunch mm-hmm. and a dinner and a warm house and shelter and food. And every woman is safe in her body, whether she's at home or she's walking on the street or is, is just safe in the world is to deconstruct these paradigms of the patriarchy, of racism, of colonialism, mm-hmm. gender inequality, um, sexuality, and in a way that someone else could be like, okay, like maybe that might ignite somebody else's consciousness to start to maybe just question. And I think it can be that as soft as a question or not even just a question, but an imagination of what else is possible, if that makes sense. And Uh and poetry and creativity allows you to then dream outside of what the reality is or what the current thought pattern is or belief to think what else is possible. There's this essence and generosity of possibility that is limitless. And I think that that's why art and and poets of past moons come into our world or our atmosphere or our sphere of influence at a certain time to drop that one phrase, her light is her values to the rules. You know, or for me, it was being a 15 year old, you know, kind of punk teenager listening to Gord Downey's Wheat Kings talking mm-hmm. about the David Milgard story and being wrongfully mm-hmm. convicted. You know, there's certain, there's certain that led me down, you know, a certain path towards social justice that there's, so there's certain things or, or lines that are dropped into your world that stick they uh-huh. stick to your bones because it's a reflection of truth that you know to be truth, whether through your story or the story that you imagine that you're going to be leaving. Like we're visiting here for just, you know, uh-huh. a long time, but, and, you know, but we're, we're visiting this, this earthly place in this body. Um, and, you know, sometimes those things, those lines are, that word that sticks to your bones will can change the trajectory of of where you're going, um, in a way that feels like the truth of who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. My first experience with that was, um, I often describe if my cells were to sing a song, if you could listen to them, it would be closer to fine by the Indigo Girls, and. That song was played for me. I used to I used to sing in a group of musicians, and they sort of they strummed the first couple of chords of that song. And I said, "What is that?" And they said, "You've never heard this song." 
I was, I was like a decade younger than most of them. And um, I said, no, I'd not, I've never heard the song. And they were like, well, let's do this. So they, they played that song for me. It was through, through these people who I loved deeply that I heard that song the first time. And it was like every word, every lyric in that song just landed in all of the different parts of my body that needed to yeah. hear yeah. those words and that story and the strength of these women and these female voices who are truth tellers. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that is the word when you were talking about Elizabeth Gilbert earlier, that's the word that came up for me as well is that she is a truth teller. Yeah. And that's why her in reinforcement of your work is so yeah. powerful, right? It's yeah. not the celebrity. It's not the bigness. It's not the movies. That's right. It's that she was so vulnerable in telling the truth yeah. that her light lit the way for yeah. you, for me, for all of us who need her light in the world. Yeah. And when you have that kind of connection, whether you know that human or not, there is there is a love bond and connection that happens. So I understand that like I love her too. She is also my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're all besties. Yes. Hundred percent. And I love, you know, and I think what is so powerful, I think, to like thinking about a woman's story, transformation, all the stages that we go through within ourselves and what's you know, demanded of us or what we give of ourselves and that we, what we try to reclaim is that our truths can change. And there is so much freedom in that another, um, brilliant writer, uh, truth tellers is Glennon Doyle and mm -hmm. looking at both her and Liz, you know, their stories and how they've, they've, their truths have changed and they've given themselves permission um, and my shirt is a quote from the, from elemental magic shamelessly. She believed she was worth loving her own story. And mm -hmm. I, I, I think stories change stories have to change, you know, everything mm -hmm. that I've been saying about poetry and opening up to possibilities of the stories that what was, and then what could be is that for a woman to allow her story to change, her, her body to change, mm -hmm. you know, your friends sometimes change, your sphere of influence changes. I think to be open to that vulnerability of, again, and reflection from, from the earth, from the elements, mm -hmm. um, you know, every element is, you know, a, a way of transformation and, you know, water shapes are, you know, shaping, shaping the earth, the, the wind, you know, the transformational power of fire, you know, and, you know, the earth changing in that cyclical way. And as a feminine wow. being in a feminine body, we are natural cyclical beings. And so I, I think that that truth telling, while it, it is just, it's so pure, it's also constantly evolving. Uh -huh. and, and, um, and I think, you know, for me, the elements and the relationship to the natural world is that reflecting back to me, the poetry of the earth reflecting mm -hmm. back to me, is that reminding me of how, that it's safe to change, you know, the vulnerability of the elements, mm -hmm. um, within myself. And, and it's been a real trust building 
um, practice mm-hmm. um, th- through my poetry and creativity and, and, um, and moving on to the phase that I'm currently in. Mm-hmm. What you said right there about trusting the cyclic, um, the cyclic elements, it's, it is so powerful when we put our trust in that, right? That we live, we live in a very seasonal climate where our, you know, our weather and our seasons change. And my, my being is so connected to that. I am, I feel like a different person in each season. Uh, but trees show us every year how to let things go. And that it's okay to die. Yeah. It is okay to die and to let things go because of that, and to go through periods of rest. Yeah. And that's what winter is, right? It's that deep period of rest mm-hmm. where we have bloomed and we have shone in the sun. And then we went through the shedding process mm-hmm. of letting all of that go and then having deep rest so that what's meant to come through next has space and has a place to come through in a, in a, in a healed way, which, yeah. yeah. And it brought me back to that line on the last line of the stanza there, her own story. Yeah. And that word own, because I think so much of the change that we experience is that we start out with someone else writing our story. Mm someone else is writing our narrative. And when we go through that healing journey, we realize, no, I am the author of my own story. Yeah. And, you know, thank you for pointing that, that line out because, you know, it, there is a, a reclamation of claiming, you know, because we're so, you know, our culture is just, like, it's, it's just, it's really good at riddling us in shame. Uh-huh. And that's why shamelessly, I really wanted to put that in there. This, you know, I don't remember exactly, it's a part of a poem. I don't remember exactly when, when I wrote it, but because, you know, our bodies, money, food, this, this mistake, that mistake, our stories uh-huh. we've been told are shameful, that we're, sh- we're shameful. You know, what our bodies do, that our bodies bleed. And then when our bodies decide not to bleed, you know, like, what Mm -hmm. does that mean? Does that mean, you know, like all these meanings that are, you know, sort of, you know, splattered across, you know, like our awareness. Uh And so it is something to claim your own story and to be proud of it. And, you know, whether it's the, you know, the ups and downs and, and all the things actually i have a poem i wouldn't mind reading please um, yes and you know this i have i i, I put a i pulled a couple for for today but one in particular um that re, that jumped out and i'm not sure maybe there's someone listening that needs to hear it um but just on all the ways of, that we've been told um of our inadequacy. And so, you know, there's something to be, um, there's something to be said when a woman can come to the possibility um, of being vulnerable enough to love her own story. Uh Um, It's a big deal. So this, 
this poem is called Named, and it's in um, it's in the chapter called The Mystery, which is in the magic element. Close your eyes. Do you see the liquid sunshine pouring through rivers and streams, connecting, intertwining, and working together to course life through your veins? In a flow coated with frequency, charted in stars, you were named. Named of creation, named of universal love, named of elemental magic, named of alchemical elixirs, named of quintessential oracles, named of an algorithm of sensory motion. With an immaculate heart, you combusted into embryo, fireworks of stardust and lightning. You shook the womb of your grandmother's, grandmother's, grandmother. Sentient mystery, you are the blind wish of eternity. Your name was spoken. Through your own throat will you match the maker's prayer of the core bass note that sung you here. Chaos has an epitome of its own goddamn metronome. No composer, you are the sound wave. No sheet could ever read you the music to your life. So don't spin the maze this culture is spinning you. Listen to the labyrinth that is you. No goblin king ever had power over you. Walk slowly and run. Stop convincing yourself to anticipate your arrival. You are creation's muse. You have long begun. Your wild and beautiful life is now. Don't miss it. Don't miss your name. to get myself together there after that uh, dissolving <laughs> through those beautiful words. And, yes. and there, there it is, right? The power of story and of words and of expressing what this, what this one body is not able to express. You know, and I, and again, you know, I just paying ode to whatever poetry is, whether it's prayer, whether it's music, you know, whether it's, you know, the sound of trees breathing, mm -hmm. the shape of stars, you know, the heartbeat of a river. It is, it is some, some sort of affirming place within every within every breath, I, I believe that there are, there, there is a universal language that is something poetic. Mm -hmm. I wrote in the back of the book in my note to readers, I wrote, I, what 
do I know, but that I am here and I feel things sometimes. Something that's poetic, elemental, and magic. Sometimes I think I feel myself and I hear love. And mm. I really believe that love's language lingers on the edge of poetry. I don't think that it can ever fully be expressed, but poetry attempts to put sound to the inexplainable. Mm. I love that. Put sound to the inexplainable. And I wonder if part of that comes from the rebelliousness of poetry. Because language in so many ways seeks to um, bring everything to the cognitive, mm. to, the, to the brain, to keep everything here and disconnected from our feeling selves. Right, which is where the truth, that's where our truth lies. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and I think if you bring up such a good point, we've been talking about the body, and and that's really, I think, where poetry, you know, comes from. I think that there is a mystical sort of spirit to it, but I do think that there is a groundedness of matter, like, you know, leaning up against a tree or listening you know, sitting beside, you know, the river, that there is an essence of matter. It's almost like this bridge of the sentientness of, of, you know, what, what that is, who knows, mm -hmm. might be different, different for everybody, I'm sure. Um, but there is a sense of the physicality of, um, of that spirit, I think, of creativity that, that does come through. Um, one of the first poems in at the, of the book and threading soul skins in the chapter of magic as well is a poem called listen and it's stories are heard through the soul a warm and familiar place within how we carry each other's story is a unique and sacred journey one that connects us to what we are seeking and healing together maybe the place of enough within and I think that that speaks to the earth as well and why the earth or nature seeks for us to pay attention. And a lot of poetry is just paying attention to the senses that are born out of the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's that connection to the sensory, yeah. I think, that is so deeply powerful because as you start to speak, like within the first three words of each poem, I can feel that emotion coming up from my heart and coming out through my eyes. Mm. And it's the weight. When you spoke about matter, those words hold weight. They have an energetic resonance mm. that allows me to not just read the words on the page, but to feel the words in my soul. Yeah. I love that. What a beautiful description. I love that. And they do, you know, the, the, the essence of, you know, how something affects you and you could be crying, mm -hmm. not even knowing why, when I hear, um, certain music, mm -hmm. um, usually it's in a language I don't, I'm not, it's, I don't, no, or words I don't understand. And uh -huh. 
it doesn't even matter because I'm moved by it. The, uh -huh. That emotional, that water element is transforming me and working me. And I, I think where the pain and the discomfort lies or where I felt it through my experience is denying that. Mm. no swallowing for many many years i yeah. couldn't cry like i didn't cry for i can't even imagine i was just saying to my daughters and my husband at the dinner table i think i'm due for a good cry like i feel it mm -hmm. <laughs> for a while yeah um, and i've denied my body that cyclical natural elemental release yes or just even not even release but just of a way of being because mm -hmm. You know, all the things that we do to, you know, in this culture to prevent periods, you know, and that may be for mm -hmm. medical reasons. I'm not talking about that, but just yep. because they're inconvenient and whatever else, because we're not adapt to, to relate to our instinctual animal like intuition that of how we are made of the elements. Mm-hmm. You know, like rage, I think is another one. I think, you know, grief and, and weeping and crying was, was a huge thing for me, but mm -hmm. also rage, like the sacredness of rage of like that explosion. Usually yeah. I feel it in my heart space and, you know, there's been, you know, studies, I don't know that, that when women hold back and hold anger into their bodies, it manifests as something. I don't yes, know exactly does. what, but I do think that when we're so wound and tight that we're not tapped into that elemental part of us through the earth of our bodies, through, you know, the air of our voice and our breath or mm -hmm. the fire of our, our hearts and our emotions and rage and, you know, water as in like the sacredness of our, of our womb and, and also of our emotions. I, I think that that was really the unearthing for me through, you know, the creativity of, of the written word and, and literary art that I was able to tap into that and read, reflect back to me what I was, was, was writing mm -hmm. as a reminder. And that's why I made the apparel line. That's why I made the merch so that, you know, like it's so wonderful and exciting for me to you to see those couple words strung together, threaded together. Mm -hmm. in combination that reflected a truth within you and affirmed it's an experience within your body and then to wear like the like you said like the resonance of those words against your heart against your chest yes. you know on your back you know against your spine you know just hope that you know it would it would resonate to to help someone just walk a little bit you know taller in a sense or you know, just to feel a little more seen in a, in a world that is so busy. Um, um, and that's where, that's where the extension from the book sort of came from. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you because you did exactly that for me. Your words and your poetry create the most beautiful containers to hold all of the emotions that I experience and that I know that we all experience. And that is what we need, right? Are those spaces where we can just lean into it and let all of the things that we feel out and to know that someone else is having the same experience is what begins to heal. That's it. We're not alone.
We are, we are not alone. No. All of our, all of our light is rebellious to the rules. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. Break, the, break the rules and, and, and watch the world change. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Thank okay. you so much for having me is so, I'm so grateful we connected and this has just yeah. been really great to talk about all the things and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm so glad no we'll connect again, but, uh, I'm really happy that we were able to have this conversation. And I am so grateful to you for sharing your wisdom, your creativity, your enchantress magic. Um, it has been a beautiful connection. And when we're done, I am going to go and have a good cry yes. <laughs> in the in the best possible way. <laughs> yes. yeah, I might too. It's coming. I can feel it. I can feel it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Bye. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric cast.